0: Welcome everybody to Too Legit to Crit, a tabletop role-playing podcast hosted by two people who have no idea of how they want to do this.
1: <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> uh, it's true, we, we have no idea how we want to do We've this. We've got we no are,
0: fucking clue.
2: We
1: are making it up as we go along, um, but hey, people seem to be enjoying it, so... I guess. Yeah, that
0: kind of sounded like you were joking, but it is. Yeah, the, no,
1: it's genuine.
0: It is the truth.
1: <laughs> we have no idea what we're doing one week to that. No, next. <laughs> no,
0: we don't. We don't. But anyway, my name is John Santana.
1: I'm still Justin.
0: You are still Justin. And yeah. Justin, are you still erect from last week?
1: I am. I, I, <laughs> I, I, have, I still have like five tabs about buying to open on my... PC right now I
0: don't it's been a long time since I've heard you that excited (laughs) it's been a while
1: it has been a while it has
0: it was he was a great bloke though
1: he was he was really cool um and you know I I think that was kind of like the icing in the cake for me because it's a it's a really cool project being headed up by somebody who is really cool um and I think that's just something that I can like really get behind because it's it's just good all round, you know.
0: And it's always good for a podcast when we have a host on who is more liked than us.
1: Yeah, that that's always good. That's not threatening at all. Cheers for that, everybody.
0: <laughs> feedback in the comments. Oh yeah, he's such a great bloke. It's like, when the fuck have you ever said that about us? <laughs> to be fair,
1: th- most of them have met us. Uh... <laughs>
0: True, true. <laughs> and some of them have had characters killed by me.
1: Yeah, yeah. There is that too.
0: So, yeah, there is a bias there, I would imagine.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, it's it's all negative from us. And then a really cool guy who's created a really cool concept and a really cool system. I, I can see why they would prefer him. I, I can see it. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, I've, I've kept in touch with him over the week, um, as have some other listeners of ours, mm. um, kept in touch over Mastodon. And yeah, we are looking to get a good old session put together.
1: Yeah, that'd be awesome.
0: So I'll, I'll talk about all that in a minute. So mm-hmm. what about you? What have you been up to?
1: I have been uh, doing some thinking, which is dangerous. <laughs> Notice um, my silence. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um,
1: and now I've been I've been carrying on with the 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 staff um, project that I mentioned several weeks ago. Um, I kind of stalled out on it uh, for motivation, so I was working on that a little bit. Um, else was i up to and then I've, I've yeah the the thinking led me to a few things that i want to talk about with you later but we'll get into that later
0: no that is absolutely fine and sometimes when you've got a project and when you when you're working on something it is important to take a step away yeah and kind of come back to it
1: see it, i i wish i could say i was doing it for healthy reasons i i took a step away because add brain um, <laughs> no other reason than my brain just went, yeah, not today.
0: Yeah, but still that can <laughs> be considered healthy reasons. That can be, you guess, know, it's, yeah. it's not forcing what, ourselves
1: to, to crack on.
0: It's what your frame of mind needs. So yeah. you're just providing that. There's nothing wrong with 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 kind of um, giving your brain the, the break it needs. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I'll always applaud that.
1: <laughs> what about yourself? What have you been up to?
0: not a huge amount um both my games are currently in the middle of of um current sort of arcs so you know there there hasn't been a massive amount to work on the the heist people are kind of now getting used to the whole um flashback um sort of addition to the to the mechanics yeah. Which, it was a struggle, mm. which is understandable because, you know, if you're not playing a system like Blades in the Dark, where it is a central point of the game.
1: Yeah, I, I, hard... it can be a bit sort of jarring, I guess.
0: Yeah, and it's hard not to think sort of linearly. Yeah. You, to to kind of go in into thinking in this... Okay, so I've got this this sort of resource available to me. And but they but they are kind of falling into it. It's not something I'd I'd probably rush to do again. Mm. Um but that's kind of why I do these things in my games, because I want to try them out. I wanna see how they land, see yeah. how they they sort of are received. And I'm not saying it's been received poorly, but I don't think anybody would be excited for me to kind of bring this in mm-hmm. um, on a regular basis. So, yeah. you know, you throw spaghetti at the wall, you kind of see what sticks. Yeah, and I mean, I think
1: that's, that's the key, though. Know, if you can introduce something like that and, and take the feedback uh, genuinely and, you know, make changes, then that, that's always good because the, the last thing you want to do is try and implement something that you really think is a cool idea. But everyone at the table is kind of lukewarm or even cold on it and then continue to try and like shove it in. Um because that's just gonna lead to problems in the long run.
0: Yeah, it's I, I completely agree. Um it's it's something that that you have to be able to to take on the chin.
2: Hmm.
0: Not everything you you kind of provide your players, not every every adventure or every sort of mechanical concept is going to land and yeah. you just have to kind of have that dialogue of being able to go, right guys, what are you thinking? Do you like yeah. it? Do you not? And in the players there there has to be honesty from the players as well, because a lot of times players will just kind of go, yeah, it's fine sort of thing without, <laughs> without kind of being honest. So it, yeah. you know, it is all about opening dialogue between the GM and the players
1: yeah, I, mean, I think that's that's the key thing for anything, really, isn't it? Uh, I mean, the amount of posts that we've both seen on you know forums and Reddit and all over the Internet of, oh, what should I do? And like every single one of these solutions would be solved by maybe have a chat. Yeah, just be <laughs> like,
0: open yeah. and honest and just kind of say, look, <laughs> this isn't working for me.
1: Yeah, um, you know, and it's like it, it, I think it's just one of those things that is it's so important to, to have at your table. Um, is to to be have, have that you know open dialogue where people aren't just going to get shut down because they're perhaps not enjoying something that you really liked or or something like that. Um, which actually conveniently, and I, I'm going to be kind of jumping the gun on when we'd normally do this, but it, it kind of flows on from this. I think it's a good shout. Um, brings me to one of the things that I was thinking about. Okay, so you know how quite often. As DMs, because we're such a creative bunch, what we'll do is we'll steal plot hooks and stuff from other popular culture elements, right? Namely, I don't know what most, you're talking most fantasy about. books or films or <laughs> things like that, right?
0: As I'll I just... file off the serial number of something I'm writing, are <laughs> oh, talking
1: about? This, is me, is this is definitely mine. This isn't Lord of the Rings. This is uh, Lord of the Necklace. <laughs>
0: <laughs> lord of the bling yeah
1: um but like it, it just got me thinking right what other like film tropes or concepts for films as a whole um do you think would be really interesting for like not necessarily a whole campaign but maybe like a, a short arc or a, a short little quest point or even just like a a fun little one-off like for a, for like a halloween session or something like that right because i had one <laughs>
0: Okay. I'm, Which I'm I think listening. it'd be really fun. I, because I don't really believe in in kind of like picking from specifics. Like I may see something in a sci-fi movie that I will mm-hmm. then translate into my fantasy game. I see, you know I, I'm
1: a, I'm literally talking just concept not like word-for-word plot right okay number one i'm thinking right freaky friday so everybody goes to sleep one night right around a campfire when they wake up they're all in different bodies (laughs) so they're still themselves right but like the warlocks now in the barbarian body and everyone just passes their character sheets to the left
0: i mean that could work
1: (laughs) i just think it'd be a really funny like thing right if like everybody goes to sleep one night and when they come to the next session like a week later or a month later or however long between your games everybody passes their character sheet to the left um and that's the body your character's now in for a little while until you know Whatever you've decided in the back end is going to be the trigger to to revert them because all of those films, right, like the Freaky uh, Freaky Friday or what um, some of the other ones that they had. Um, there was one with Ryan Reynolds as well um, with like those, those body, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, dude, like there were so many of those body. Sweat I know those. In, like, I
0: know there was one with Judge Reinhold and and yeah. Fred Savage,
1: but like all of those films right had had some uh, key moment where they realize oh my life's actually pretty good as it is um because they're always like bitching about their life and the other one say like, oh no i've got it worse and then they swap bodies and then they both go huh i've actually got it pretty good and then they swap back right so y- you would have to figure out what you want that um, swap back moment to be for the group right um
0: i would i would have the swap back moment being that each character realizes that the other person's life is equally as shit, mm. I'd, yeah. I'd turn the whole trope on its head. <laughs> It'd be like, oh, your life is so great, and this, that, and the other. And and then, yeah, by the, t- the by the time of the end of it, it's like, see, I told you your life was great. I, wanna, I don't want to go back into my body. And then it <laughs> happens anyway because fuck them.
2: Yeah.
1: So I think like that would be a good one, right? But then like there's so many other like um, '90s film things that I just think would be interesting, just as a concept.
0: Well, there's always like the the sort of non supernatural twist on that on that concept anyway, which is mm. the whole prince and the pauper. Yeah, sort yeah of exactly. That, I think yeah. um, trading places was one mm-hmm. with Eddie Murphy, where you've got a person in a position of privilege
1: yep and swaps places with a guy that doesn't have any
0: that isn't so that is again same similar sort of
1: concept concept
0: yeah. just without the supernatural aspect
1: yeah um or even i mean uh, to a degree it was you know the parent trap with uh, the twins swap families and swap lives um to try i mean granted they're doing it to get their parents back together right but um like just just i, I really like that whole idea of like them swapping roles essentially, because um, I just think it'll also be quite quite a weird one as well. Especially if you've got like that like super intellectual wizard who's now suddenly in the barbarian's body. So he's still super intellectual, right? Because he's still him, but he's just got like muscles for days now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you'd probably have to just swap over mental stats.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so your your intelligent wisdom would swap, but everything else stays the same.
0: So the barbarian who's got low intelligence and yeah. low low <laughs> mental stats—if he gets put He's in the have wizard's really body—he's yeah. fucked. <laughs> oh, it's gonna be so funny. Whereas the wizard will become the most powerful person in the world. Oh, it'll be so funny. Yeah,
1: but then the wizard's got to go out of his way to protect the and that's the thing right the wizard's going to realize how hard a time the barbarians had keeping the squishy him alive all this time Mm. because he he's now got somebody who's an idiot in that body in that squishy body that's his body so he wants to protect it right Mm. and the idiot's not going to be uh as clued up so he's going to be doing reckless things and this intelligent barbarian is gonna have to try and save him and he's gonna realize right oh my god this is so difficult and the barbarians to be like oh i understand now why the wizard isn't just getting involved in all the combats because he's actually quite fragile and they'll have those moments of oh i get it from the other person's perspective now
0: (laughs) okay so you've got freaky friday yeah so what other sort of tropes i'm trying to think and now i'm You've kinda of put me <laughs> on the spot because I'm trying to think of Welcome to my world. <laughs> I mean, you probably do like there's I mean nineties movies you did have a lot of underdog stories.
1: Yeah. I mean I feel that's just DD all over though, isn't it, really? You know, these this this ragtag group of people from the tavern get together to defeat the big bad. That's I mean that's it's just tabletop role playing games. Not, in a nece-
0: not necessarily, because you could <laughs> just have a normal NPC, a commoner, mm-hmm. right, who, for whatever reason, always rolls natural twenties. <laughs> So he could be put in a position where he rolls to hit the barbarian yeah. for whatever reason, and you could just go, natural 20. Mm. And it, you could play it off as it's just pure dumb luck. <laughs> that guy just happens to be in the right place at the right time.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that would be a great one.
0: That would um, be an underdog story.
1: That would be, that, and that would be funny as hell. Especially if it's, like, uh, some kind of uh, gladiator event, right, that's happening in a town. And the barbarian's, like, getting super hyped up for it. And then he steps into the first round or something. And this this, like, tiny little dude who's just like, I'm not meant to be here.
0: Sorry, i, I just- <laughs> Guys, there's, there's been a mistake. And his helmet's kind of Like, lugs-sided. too big for him. Like... Yeah, just kind of slightly covering his eyes. Keeps dropping
1: thing. his sword.
0: You just give him an armor class through the fucking roof. <laughs> Barbarian um... rolls a 19 on the die. It's like, no, you miss. It's like, what? It's just, it's just I don't know. He went down, he tripped or something, and you just happened <laughs> to Just missed, this.
2: yeah.
0: And he's closed his eyes and swung his sword, and you've been critted. <laughs> with a vocal weapon yeah
1: like that that kind of thing would i think would just be it would be really funny to have right because it's going to create those moments of like down um but yeah like I, I just think there's there's a whole bunch of things there that you know haven't necessarily maybe been been explored fully um that could be uh interesting i mean i guess like the, the one you were just saying is also a bit like uh the water boy you know with adam sandler
0: <laughs> yeah just make him like, really just, good at one
1: just one thing, thing. yeah like yeah. one thing and that's you it.
0: know he's, he's you know he's not really useful in any other way <laughs> just in one specific thing he completely fucking wrecks <laughs> and if you wanted to kind of lean into the water boy it would be charging people yeah. he just charges him and immediately knocks him prone regardless of the enemy <laughs>
1: Oh, that would be so funny.
0: Like, that would if, be funny. If,
1: like charges into like some kind of snake creature that still manages to knock it prone.
0: <laughs> yeah, that may be a <laughs> uh, future character concept for my Pathfinder Society games. I never um... really take them seriously anyway, so I, would, like, I just build the most random character.
1: Yeah, I just think it's um, it's it's an interesting concept. To maybe borrows from some other elements of popular culture that maybe uh, get ignored a little bit.
0: Oh, one hundred percent. I mean, my latest Pathfinder Society character is based off of uh, the Monkey King. Mm. He's he's kind of a mix between the Monkey King and Jackie Chan in the Drunken Master. Yeah. Because there is a stance in Pathfinder 2nd edition, which is basically the drunken master. Well, yeah, we, like, we have
1: we have the same thing in uh in Five E. We've got oh, yeah, the drunken fist.
0: As soon as I saw that, I was like, Yeah, I'm fucking doing it.
2: Yeah,
1: dude, I've I've played one, it's so fun. Um, so,
0: yeah, I just had him drinking the entire time. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, um, so the, the one the time that I played it, we're playing uh, it was a twentieth level evil campaign. Is um, this the
0: one that fucking won the tavern or what? Yeah. Or and,
1: and it was because he was he was like, where the drunk fist? He was like, well, I want the tavern. Because then he can drink for free for the rest of his life because he owns the fucking tavern. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really the only reason he wanted the tavern. <laughs>
2: <Fair>. <laughs> oh,
0: Yeah. So I'm trying to think of like other concepts now. Mm. I don't know. I'll, I'll probably be blurting them out as we kind of go along. <laughs> um so yeah speaking of like concepts and all that um mm-hmm. speaking with with our friend marlon yes. um about this game that i'm this bind game that at some point i'm gonna run um basically he earlier was it today or yesterday or something like that he said okay so yeah there are a bunch of one shots on the website but if you want to write your own yeah get it to me and i'll put it up on the website it's like Okay, <laughs> so that's the thing that's going to happen. Nice. So not only are we going to be um, running a new system, yeah, we're also going to be running a completely new, new module that nice. we're going to be play testing, and nice it will nice. be in a way published.
1: That'll be really cool
0: for public consumption. So yeah, I'm I'm definitely into that. Mm so that is gonna happen nice but speaking of publishing
1: oh loving that segue
0: that was amazing it was sexy wasn't it (laughs) um have you seen that tales of the valiant are nearly ready for their alpha release i have seen that yes i'm getting excited because i'm a backer
1: (laughs) i know you are (laughs)
0: <laughs> so, yeah, uh, after four playtest packets and thousands of feedback submissions, it's time for the alpha release of Tales of the Valiant. Um, it's a 177-page PDF, and you can expect all the rules you need to make characters and begin playing, four classes up to level five, weapon options, magic item pricing, fable magic items that grow in power as your character levels up, equipment spells talents and more and
1: that comes out tomorrow doesn't it
0: that comes out tomorrow Mm. so Mm. yeah
1: someone's an excitable little bunny rabbit today
0: someone's got a chub (laughs) 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 Um, so yeah i'm looking forward to that i will be going through it and i will be giving you my thoughts well
1: Speaking of thoughts.
0: Oh, dude, sexy. <laughs> um, We're getting good at this segment, <laughs>
1: Right. So do you remember the other week uh I briefly read through um the new playtest for uh D D. Not one D, D. D one. No, dnd One D. Yeah. No,
0: D Yeah, one D. Yeah. I well,
1: And I said that they'd made a bunch of changes to the monk that were really good, and I was looking forward to, like, those changes being in the game, and making monk viable again.
0: Yes.
1: Well, that was all still true.
0: Uh, However. (laughs) I was hoping they'd fucked it. They have. (laughs) Yay.
1: But not in any way that they, they haven't fucked with monk. What they've done is, they've created a new bardic college, which gives bards everything that monks get, while still being bards, so they still get everything that bards get. So they're full spellcasters that are really really good at martial fighting. Okay. So there's no need to play a monk, because you can just play a bard from this college. Do everything a monk can do, but also everything a bard can do.
0: Is it is it that bad? Is it yes. to that extreme? Yes.
1: <laughs> uh, I wish I was kidding. So yeah, literally, it, they, they get like all of the features that make a monk a monk, right? So they get the, uh, oh, if you attack, you can use your bonus action to do an extra, you know, uh, unarmed strike your unarmed strike does more damage because instead of doing like just an increased uh damage dice, so like instead of a d4, it's a d6, you know, and scaling as a monk does, it uses your bardic inspiration die, which is always bigger. So when a monk gets to like max level and is hitting with a d10, you're punching with a d12 as this bard, etc. etc. So it literally has everything a monk has everything a bard has but it's also better at being a monk than a monk so why would you play a monk so they fixed monk and then they're like we fixed it so you know monk players we fixed it for you but for everybody else that still wants to meme on monks have you considered bard
0: <laughs> so there's no there's no sort of penalty to it cuz I know that, None. for example, um, in, in Pathfinder, when you are playing a class that gains access to another class's abilities, like if you use multiclassing or or archetype, well, you don't get access to those abilities at the same time that the original class would. That's the you thing. get like four levels or even 10 levels mm. later.
1: That's the thing. It's not giving you access to the monk's abilities, the bardic abilities that happen to do everything the monk ability does.
0: Do these people actually talk to each other?
1: Clearly not. Um, you know,
0: Do they just kind of go, <laughs> right, so Dave's finished the monk, right? Okay. I should probably read gonna... that
1: before I make my martial bard.
0: So I'm going to put that there. And Frank, what are you doing? I'm, I'm just doing a bard, mate. Okay, yeah, cool. There shouldn't be a fucking problem there. Lo and behold. (laughs) So how has this been received by, you know, the wonderful civil group that is D&D players?
1: Um, We've continued to meme on monks, is how it's been received. Um. (laughs) Fair. Um, Yeah, it's essentially what's happened is... um, we like they fixed monk and everyone was happy and then we read the bard stuff and we're like oh wait a minute
0: <laughs>
1: they broke it again because <laughs> like there's just no need to play but this is just no need to
0: play but monk. this is still play test um yeah i mean it, it could well change
1: it, yeah, it could well change yeah. before it comes out but at the moment if it stays as it is there is no need to play a monk. You just play a bard from, from this bard It's in
0: not gonna stay as it is, surely. Surely they're not that fuck it. Wait a minute. Yep, yeah, they're that stupid.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm keep quiet. They are that
0: stupid. So
1: I don't want to say bad things about the company that I like. Oh, I do. I know you do, but that's why I, I'm gonna keep quiet because I, I can't. Like they fucked up. They did. This is it's dumb. It's really dumb. Um,
0: it is. It is pretty dumb, and
1: I'm hoping it gets fixed because it it can't stand. Otherwise, Monk just becomes useless again.
0: But the thing is, that is the whole point of a playtest. Um, and sometimes in a playtest, you put out the most outlandish shit um, just to get the feedback.
1: Yeah, well, that's that's what they did with Druid, um, if you remember. They they put out the druid changes and everyone went ah, no, um, and then they changed it the back.
0: No, well then it's all going to be down to which class is going to get more support. That because if they're go, if they're doing if they're kind of analysing this feedback via like a polling method, mm. there are some people out there that are going to go Marshall bard, fucking yes. Whereas there are people out there who are going to kind of realistically go, no, we've got a monk for this. Why is a bard sort of... So it's going to boil down to which of the classes is most popular, bard or monk?
1: Um, I think bards are more popular than nobody plays monk.
0: I mean, I know which I prefer. Yeah.
1: So uh, I'll I'll just read you a little bit of the, the College of the Dance Bards right that's that's the college that
0: um and the college of the dance oh that is brilliant
1: college of the dance bars dance foo they can use their movement to inspire as well as attack if you see an enemy end its turn within five feet of an ally and 60 feet of you you can spend your reaction and use one of your bardic inspiration to move you'll move half your speed roll the bardic inspiration die and your ally then gets to move equal to five times that number without provoking So let's say they, like, push up to your caster at the back, your squishy caster. As a reaction, you can do a dance, and then your squishy caster can piss off and not provoke and run five times whatever you roll on your Bardic Inspiration die.
0: And what is your Bardic Inspiration die? Depends on the level. So minimum d4? Uh,
1: No, I think it starts at, like, a d6. Um
0: so potentially like at low level somebody could move up to 30 feet for free yes without provoking yes jesus yeah, that's but, already broken
1: bardic inspiration at level one is d6 yeah and then at fifth level it goes up to a d8 um and then third 10th no, level goes up to d10 15th level goes up to a 12
0: that is already fucking broken
1: yep and that's the we're only getting started
0: holy shit! that's <laughs> yeah that is bad
1: so they also get the um evasion so avoid damage on a su- su- uh, successful dex saving throw instead of half you can share this benefit with friends within five feet of you right so if you if you make a so you you essentially have evasion right the rogue ability uh where if you you know some throws a fireball and if you save you take half damage is how it normally works but if yeah you have evasion you take none right that's pretty
2: yeah.
0: standard
1: College of Dance Bards can share that with anybody within five feet of them right so basically it means that your entire party then has evasion without having to take evasion um Dance are pretty quick on their feet and they can spend a Bardic Inspiration die during the initiative roll to pass this feat on. When the die is rolled, simply pick a number of creatures within 60 feet equal to your Charisma Modifier and they get an, an initiative bonus equal to your roll. So essentially, you roll your Bardic, your, like, your Bardic Inspiration die um, and up to your Charisma Modifier creatures Get an initiative bonus equal to your roll. So if you rolled, let's say you're at fifth, fifth, sixth level, right, which is where most characters live, right, in most campaigns. Uh, sort of fifth to tenth is about average. So you're rolling a D eight. You have the potential to add eight to everyone in your party's initiative roll.
0: Yeah, that just sounds broken. That just <laughs> like, I'm flat off the bat, it just sounds. <laughs> sounds like somebody's kind of been a really big fan of (laughs) bards and they want to make them the most brutal fucking class in the game. Yeah. Which eh, I don't necessarily agree with. (laughs) Don't get me wrong, I love bards. Bards are my favourite class in any fucking system. You give me someone who can talk and manipulate people that's me um (laughs) but yeah even i'm kind of going oof yeah because why would you pick any other type of bard you
1: just wouldn't unless like you want to go down a different route for your bard but if you if you're intending to be any kind of combat focused group you're gonna pick this yeah of course you are it it just it has so many benefits and zero drawback.
0: Yeah, I can see. I can see that getting. It's getting. It's nerfed. got to
1: get nerfed. It has to get nerfed.
0: If it doesn't, fucking.
1: If it doesn't, guess what I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, like this class is like the ultimate fucking uh, like power gamer's dream. Like, oh, here's a class that is like nothing but power. What's the drawback? huh draw- and, it, what?
0: and it also oh, draw in, and it also mm. will encourage power gaming because normally power game power gaming characters have always kind of been very sort of self-focused um, whereas this is a power i I, powerful would di- I would
1: disagree with you on that one
0: mm. go
1: on then. so well, Peter because there is an entire uh, YouTube series from a particular channel where he goes through a whole bunch of different builds and he categorizes them all. And he has got an entire section of like power building support builds.
0: Fair enough. So
1: th- there, is, there is a subsection of power games that will like to pump out as much support as possible um there's also like uh he's got a, another like table for like the the ultimate tank builds and stuff like that right so he he does he covers all bases um i mean I, I get where you're coming from for the most part people tend to power game for doing damage in combat um but there is a whole subsection of power gamers that do everything so yeah it's it depends on which corner of the internet you're looking.
0: Well, that fills me with inspiration for D&D 1.
1: Uh, no, it's called indie
0: <laughs> I'm still going to call it D&D 1. A, that, because it annoys you.
1: It doesn't annoy me, I don't care. It annoys them. Yep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how long that statement lasts. <laughs>
1: But yeah, so yeah, I just wanted to uh, to give you that little feed, bit of feedback because I know how much you love your bards, so I thought you'd be... I
0: do love my bards, I yeah. do love my bards, but I, even... I thought you'd
1: appreciate that they uh, they fixed Monk and then immediately broke it by making Bard stronger at the same thing.
0: Uh, well, I don't really have a cool segue, I can't even think <laughs> of one for this next bit, so um, I think you're winning on the segue. Yes. Um, competition this week but um pathfinder and starfinder rpgs are headed to augmented reality that sounds so cool does it though Uh i don't know i've i've never really been a fan of augmented reality
1: Uh, i guess it depends on like how how you do it Because, I mean, the the images that they've put up are kind of lame.
0: They are very conceptual images, aren't they?
1: Yeah. So I think it's going to be one of those things that it'll be cool if they do it right. Because essentially it means you you have a, a virtual tabletop on your tabletop, right?
0: But you'd still need the physical space. Yeah. Which kind of for me defeats the point of using digital um,
1: devices well here's the thing right you you would still need a, a table right but if you've got one you don't necessarily still have to be in the same place though right so for example yourself you've got players that are in uh, what America all over the world right
0: uh, yeah at some points I have had yes right
1: so if you've got players from America, players from here, players from, I don't know, somewhere else in Europe, things like that, and you've all got a dining room table, right, you only need to be looking at your dining room table to see everything. so Everyone can see everything as if they're in person at the table, but they're at their own table wherever they live.
0: So what benefit does that hold over a virtual tabletop?
1: Um, I guess it's more for, for players like myself who prefer the over-the-table game. So you you could still sit at your table, looking at your table, essentially. Right. Um, especially if you're to do it wearing like VR glasses. Right, because then it would feel a bit more like you're at the table with these people if everyone's doing that. Right.
0: Um, but surely the benefit of playing around a table is being able to look to your left and your right. And see Dave, and see. well yeah, that's what I mean.
1: Though. if you're doing it, Jessica, in, if you're doing it in like a VR environment with augmented reality, you could, in theory. It depends. That's what I mean. It's going to depend how it's done. If they do it right, and that is how it's done, that'll be awesome. Because I've seen, um, I have seen poker. There's a, a couple of poker sites that do that with augmented reality. So you sit at your table. And if you look to your left and right you do see the people at the table with you that are playing against you
2: mm. but they're not
1: there in real life because you're sitting in your living room right so if they do it like that which i know is possible because i've seen it done in these poker games then that'll be cool because then you get that over the table experience without having to actually be in the same room if they don't do it like that then it's gonna be shit
0: <laughs> i i I don't know i'm gonna take a lot more convincing than that um i just i've never seen the utility in in an ar mm. i mean i know that the when it first came out it was this big thing oh yeah augmented reality and you can like Bring up Google Maps and through the lens of your phone, it's like, why the fuck do I need to do that? <laughs>
2: you know, uh, I've
0: just never one seen One reason the
1: point uh, of... I'm, I'm going to give you one thing for augmented reality that's going to make you go, oh, okay.
0: Go Pokemon on. Go. No, I just, dis- I've, I, the it brief awesome. time, the brief time I played Pokemon Go, I immediately switched off augmented reality.
1: You are a weirdo.
0: Just immediately it's like, I don't want to be holding my fucking phone up, pointing at a lamppost, pretending to throw imaginary balls on it. It's like, no, fuck it. I'll just have it in the, the sort of virtual thing and I can take a seat and just look down at my phone and play to my heart's content. You're a weirdo. Well, yeah, but still. Why, why are we friends? It doesn't mean I'm wrong. I don't know. Um, So, yeah, apparently it's... I did have the Mirrorscape. I need to find out about Mirrorscape. Because it seems like Paizo are aligning with a lot of different VTTs. Like Foundry, Alchemy RPG, and all those. Um, Let's have a look at Mirrorscape. who are Mirrorscape?
1: oh actually okay i see what they're doing though so i've just gone to the Mirrorscape website and they are sit they're all sitting around the same table virtual table topping so essentially you get all your 3d models your 3d city so essentially like my table right but without somebody having to make or buy all of those minis and uh cityscape like pieces and tile, dungeon tiles and so from that element, I can see why it'd be pretty cool. But me being me, I'd rather have the physical thing.
0: And I don't think you're alone in that. Yeah. You know, I've, I've famously said on this show, and I kind of stand by it, that I don't necessarily need the props. Yeah. Because um, I play in in my imagination first and foremost. Yeah so i don't need the the buildings i don't need any addition it doesn't provide any benefit to me but i know that there, there are a lot of people out there that do that you know they it's what they enjoy not only playing with these these things but also making them crafting them creating them yeah and having that just to me seems like a waste of time and a waste of space because when you could be playing at a table that does have this dungeon built with these physical walls, etc., and tokens, why the fuck would you just want to pluck, like, stick an iPad in front of you and play and stare on at a
1: screen? Yeah,
0: <laughs> and, and stare at a screen at something that isn't there.
1: Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, so I think yeah, because the way that they're doing it. Is not the way I was hoping they were going to do it. Um, so yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you. I don't think that's going to be a very good idea.
0: I, don't, I mean, I get your point on playing at a distance, which I'm assuming that that is a possibility.
1: Yes. So by by the looks of it, it is. So I think I think they're like the way they're trying to market it on their site. I get what they're trying to do of like these people all sitting around a table and looking at these like 3D models on the table and it's quite cool. But I think really it's only going to be beneficial if you aren't in the same room. Because if you're all in the same room, then I would rather just whip out a map and use the map, right? Yeah. Um, and also like the,
0: the pieces aren't
1: that hard to build, right? I mean, you know me, I'm not the most creative of people and you've seen the stuff that I can create. If you've got any creative bone in your body, you can make like scenery very easily. <laughs> like it, it's it's very simple when you when you break it down.
0: <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, I I kind of yeah, I'm struggling with this because you know for me, if you're playing in person, you're playing on a table. Yeah, you've got character sheets. If you wanted to use digital character sheets, fair play to you. But you've got character sheets, you've got real dice, you've got tokens of some description, you've got a map if needed. If not, you'd use in theatre of the mind. And this just kind of has... I'm looking at the fucking intro now. They're just all sat around a table holding their iPads in front of their faces. How fucking uncomfortable is that going to become? for a five-hour session
1: and i mean and then then you're gonna get into the thing of like oh well you know like for me i would i i would then 3d print a stand for the ipads right but if i'm 3d printing stuff i might as well 3d print cityscape stuff yeah um you know or if you're going out and buying like ipads and then stands for your ipads just go buy some cityscape stuff if you don't want to make it yourself Yeah. yeah i just think i think in person it's not really a viable option. um but for for like for virtual tabletops that want the over the table experience I think it would be quite cool because it's going to add like a an extra element because you get that 3D element rather than just the top down view um but other than that I I, yeah I'm a little bit I, I don't know
0: there may be a market for it I don't really I'm sure there is a market
1: for it. I just don't think it's us. <laughs> no, no,
0: no. I, I won't be investing in this. No, a... no,
2: no. You know, I'll...
0: I mean, don't get me wrong. I've invested in in Foundry. I've, I've spent yeah. a lot of money in Foundry. Um, one of my players is paying for the Foundry, the Forge subscription. Mm. Um, so between us, we are spending quite a bit on there. Yeah. But it works for us. You know, we don't mind yeah. the top-down view. No, well, no. I mean,
1: and that's the thing. Like, I mean, for for what I do as well, right? I I need those top down maps because I use them as the basis for my table with the physical elements because I've got the the TV screen, right? And then I build up from that with with you know models and um, my like other bits and pieces, like my scatter terrain and little cottages and all, all the other stuff I've built. So, yeah, I just. Mm,
0: they're not doing it the way I was hoping they're going to do it. That's a bit of a letdown. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, you know, coming to an Olme- iPad near you. Augmented
1: something. reality near you.
0: <laughs> so you know, if if you guys are interested in this, you know, write in. Let us know. Let's yeah. Get this. Uh, T-
1: tell us what we're not seeing.
0: Yeah, we. Are, I I would definitely like to to kind of figure out what people would potentially see in this
1: or likewise if you agree with us write in and let us know because then we won't feel like we're missing something because <laughs> i feel like this is going to go one of two ways we're either going to be a lot of people going like you guys are clearly idiots it's perfect for this and then we're gonna be like oh yeah i don't think of that or it's gonna be a lot of people going like yeah i don't, I don't see it
0: <laughs> another thing i saw um which which kind of really interested me mm-hmm is Modiphius are uh, bringing out Cohors Cthulhu.
1: I love a bit of Cthulhu. Tell me more.
0: Right. So Modiphius very famously produce um on Cthulhu, which mm-hmm. is um, essentially Call of Cthulhu or a, a Cthulhu-esque yep. setting, but it is set in World War II. Cohors yep. Cthulhu is the same, but set in Roman times. Come again? That just seems really <laughs> fucking interesting to me.
1: Roman Cthulhu. <laughs> Roman
0: Cthulhu. It just seems. <laughs> Mighty warriors of Rome and their barbarian foes join forces to battle nameless horrors from beyond space and time. It's oh, set, it's set like the set, to go on the list. It's set in the same <laughs> universe as the Acton Cthulhu, mm. Um, this time introducing adventurers to an era of daring gladiators, valiant centurions, and brave Germanic heroes. Now, the only thing, really, <laughs> that, that that makes me question this is that when I played Acton Cthulhu, yeah. I was made to understand, after the game, that the objective... Is to learn more about these eldritch horrors, etc., etc., etc. Yeah. I just can't see being able to justify that in Roman fucking times.
1: Well, look looking because I, I I'm just looking through the website now, I don't think that this is the same. Because on the like the the, the site for this. It says that it, it puts you on the front lines of the known world in the second century using fire steel and ancient technology to fight eldritch horrors so this one it seems like it is just you are battling the eldritch horrors to keep them at bay
0: that could be interesting
1: because well, yeah essentially right it would be because obviously like d- during the roman empire there were wars happening everywhere to try and expand the empire slash defend the empire right but what if in the background right which is the kind of the same here like the underground there was another war that was not for the roman empire but for the world
0: yeah it, it does seem interesting it does seem mm.
1: well i think we, we won't put it on the list just yet but i think we do put this on the watch list
0: oh yeah yeah i'm deaf there's the mm. quick start i'm just adding that to the cart. yeah uh it's for free so i'm getting it
1: happy days uh
0: but yeah it's definitely interesting um it's a it's an interesting time period which i don't think it's really been done at least in the the major sort of rpgs Mm. guaranteed there's there's plenty of rpgs out there that cover this but
1: and if any of you guys out there know of some, let us know because I, I love this time period and I would love to play more games set in that time period. So if you do know any, please let us know uh, because I'd love to give them a try.
0: Yeah, definitely. That one. Yeah, put that one on the watch list.
1: Yep, yeah, already done.
0: <laughs> Outstanding. Um, and I think speaking of Medifius, Medifius had something else.
1: They're always up to something.
0: No, maybe it wasn't Modifius. I think it might have been Chaosium. Oh, yeah, no, sorry. Modifius did bring out the quick start for Dreams and Machines. Oh,
1: didn't yes, it?
0: I've already it. got
1: it. Good man. Does that mean we can put it on the list? Yeah, we can. It wasn't, we, we did put it on the list because we were waiting.
0: Yeah, Dreams and Machines is already on the list, but yeah, I got the quick start for it. Um, just seems kind of you know rules wise similar to Acton Cthulhu. So I just kind of need to brush up on that a tiny bit, and I can nice. I can run a session.
1: Sounds good. Mm. I look forward to
0: it. Yeah, loads of loads of cool shit coming out as of late.
1: Yeah, I think we're getting to that time of year. It's the uh, the pretty Christmas announcements. Hmm. Want to get the announcements out so people be like, oh, I'd like that for my Christmas present.
0: Yeah, conventions. Yeah, as conventions well.
1: coming up soon. I think there's uh, a lot of stuff in like uh, August, September time.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, there's the Chaosium's brought out the Pendragon starter set,
2: mm-hmm.
0: which uh, I think it's Arthurian. I think if you think, are the, into,
1: I think the giveaway in... would be the name Pendragon. <laughs>
0: See, I, I'm s- such an uncultured swine that that would have gone straight over my fucking head. Well,
1: that, that's, that's uh, King Arthur's surname. His name is Arthur Pendragon.
0: Again, uncultured <laughs> swine. Over the head. <laughs> I've got a fucking clue. I knew there was some tart in a lake throwing <laughs> swords at people. And I only know that through Monty Python. Oh my god, it's funny because it's true. It's <laughs> true. Oh so, my gosh! Yeah, I mean, I don't. This hasn't really caught my attention, but it's definitely, you know, hmm. worthy of note.
1: I am going to quickly interject because you mentioned a film, uh, and I have a another concept from a film that I would like to throw at you.
0: Go on then.
1: Although, oh, as yeah. I say that, my brain has decided to forget what I was going to say, All so right. I need to remember it very quickly.
0: It's okay. Um. (laughs) Don't put pressure on yourself. We can always come back. We can always come back to it, Mum. Just shout it out when you get it. It's it's not a problem. I'm just kind of going through this Pendragon stuff. Do you believe in chivalry or do? Yep. Sorry.
1: I I remembered it. it. All right. So it's not actually film thing, right? But it'd be a really funny concept for a character.
0: I'm listening.
1: So, in most uh, of these fantasy worlds, right, deities are not just accepted, like, it's widely known that they're real, right? Like, they exist, for the most part.
0: Yes. An
1: atheist character.
0: (laughs) I feel like that's been done before.
1: I'm sure it has, but dude, it would be so funny, especially if there's, like, a cleric in the party, who's constantly, like, praying to his god to heal this person. And while they're healing this person, like the rogue, just sitting there, like, "Dude, what are you doing? Who are you talking to? There's nobody up there. What are you doing?" <laughs> It'd There's, be a bit like a, a, a flat earther, but like
0: <laughs> there is okay, because there is there is um, an excerpt in I think it's the Pathfinder First Edition Core Rulebook mm. where it says that atheism in this world isn't necessarily the lack of belief
1: it's just the refusal of yeah no 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 so i i i mean like a an our world atheist right where they they just don't believe that it's real right and they're just adamant that it is not real not the refusal of the gods like they're, they're just adamant that the gods don't exist
0: so like you say <laughs> like a flat earther essentially yeah
1: essentially because like there, there's empirical evidence that these deities are real in this world and this guy's like nah
0: <laughs> to play that properly you would have to come up with some arguments, yeah. some like proper well thought out arguments
1: you would have to put
0: the tinfoil hat
1: on and go in deep
0: <laughs> oh yeah you'd have to method act the shit out of it
1: it would be amazing though
0: <laughs> yeah okay i can see that being quite interesting I think the character that, that I sent you yesterday, I think I I need to do that. Basically, Ron Swanson.
1: Yeah. Oh, I, I did actually. Um, so there, there's a, a guy on, um, he posts like shorts on Instagram and YouTube and stuff. Um, and he does a lot of, uh, like cards against, uh, cards against humanity, D and D stuff. I don't know if you've seen him at all. Hmm. Um, where instead of like dice rolls or anything like that, you draw a card and then the card tells you what happens. Right. Um it, it's a really cool concept. That's it's so uh, like there's some funny results, but he uh said something that would be, I think, really fun to do with a warlock, where your patron is the DM.
0: Yeah, you sent me that. Yeah, yeah. I remember, yeah.
1: So not like the DM as like, you know, an entity in the world, like but the actual person, like Dave at the end of the table. <laughs> And that to me is just hilarious because, like, you'll have this warlock having like a crisis of, like, oh no, what do I do to save my friends? And then you've just got, like, the DM in the interceptor, like, I-, I don't know, like, take a-, take a breath, I guess, count to 20. Um... <laughs> I-, I don't know how to help you here, my guy.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, it's, that's that's one of those concepts that it would get very old very fucking way. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think it would only really work for, like, a a one-shot or, like, a very short campaign, but it would be a fun concept. (laughs) Because, I mean, let's be honest, right? We are otherworldly beings to our characters. If if you want to go, like, high level on this shit.
0: (laughs) Oh, it's far too late. (laughs) Fuck that, I cannot be far. We are
1: technically otherworldly beings. We are beings that exist in a world other than
2: theirs.
0: I'm just going to kind of go ahead and go, yeah, all right, then. (laughs) Just because it's, you know, it's fucking 10 o'clock at night right now. (laughs) And I just can't be fucked going down certain rabbit holes.
1: Oh, I live down those rabbit holes, though.
0: (laughs) Right. So this is something that... um... That I actually saw a couple of weeks ago and, and we'd never really got to talk about last week because obviously we were we were chatting to Marlin and it was fantastic. But this is something that really caught my interest and it is it just kind of highlights the positivity that this this hobby can bring to a certain degree. Um, there was a feature and it was it was published on the second of of July the, the I think someone on Mastodon posted it and and I just kind of followed it and it is that wartime creates a surge in Ukrainian tabletop role-playing games and it is you know the horrors that are kind of going on over there yeah you know it's, people it, are bad. people are using. This hobby to to kind of at least for a brief fucking moment to to be able to escape the hellscape that 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 surrounds them mm-hmm. and and play tabletop role playing games and there's a whole feature on it, and I will post it in in the Facebook group because I think it I think it's at the very least people should give it a read,
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, uh, it's, like you say, it is just one of those things that, you know, you you really do get to see just how awesome the people in, in this space are. Um, that, you know, even amongst all of that that's going on over there, they are able to kind of dive into this world and enjoy themselves and kind of just distract from everything that's happening around them.
0: Yeah, I mean, the the, the article focuses on Tasha Dashkiewicz mm. um, who basically said that her community thrived and obviously referring to the role-playing community thrived since the Russian invasion began. Yeah. Um, and she held her first um, online session open to anyone who wanted to join and she was surprised who showed up. Some of them were IDPs, internally displaced persons. Some of them were military veterans. And it it seems that these games have found sort of a new life for Ukrainian gamers during this this horrible fucking time. And it just, you know, we always kind of sing the praises of this hobby. We always kind of... Um, are, are very quick to kind of say how, how good it is for people and how good the escapism is. But this is sort of like empirical evidence of that. And hopefully the need for that escapism doesn't last long. Yeah. But I'm glad that they've got it, you know?
1: Yeah. You know, it, it's always nice to find something to to get yourself out of, you know, just any, any negative stuff that's going on in your life. And obviously their negative stuff is pretty bad um to put it lightly um but i mean even just like for 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 people not in a situation that's that bad right obviously um but even just like in in your day-to-day life to find something that lets you just kind of switch off from that and uh relax
0: yeah It's. I think it. I think it's great. And I, and again, it's just testament to, to how important this is. Yeah. You know how important these these stories that we tell with our friends. How important and relevant they become. Yeah. And you know, I, I think it's fantastic. And it's just kind of reaffirming for me that that out of all the hobbies I could be doing. I'm, in, I'm invested in this. So, so yeah, I just kind of wanted to bring that to the table because, you know, it is in a dark fucking time, just like a glimmer of, of light.
1: Yeah. No, that, that, that is awesome. Now, shall we lighten up the mood a little bit?
0: Yeah, let's do that.
1: And head over to Couch's Corner?
0: We shall. Because I'm sure
1: he sent us something.
0: Yeah, um, we have two this week. Oh, do we now? Couch does have competition. Does he now? He does have competition. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so let's go with let's go with couches first, shall we? Okay. So this is question has been sent in by Couch of the Southern Kingdom
2: <laughs>
0: from Chelmsford Double Two Double Six Double Eight. And Couch's Oh, I forgot about that advert. <laughs> and Couch's question <laughs> is as you spoke to Marlin last week. If you could create a tabletop role playing game, what would be your hook? Would you have a mm. genre that no one has done before, or a setting that you have never seen? What would be your personal choice?
1: Oh, I that's that's a good one. Um, I really like the concept of like a a cyberpunk setting, um, or even like a, a steampunk setting something okay. like that i think would be pretty cool um but beyond that i don't really know i mean i think i i would probably do something with cards rather than dice but okay surely because i roll dice like shit, and i like playing cards
0: you um, do roll like dice like shit.
1: i do roll dice like shit. um and I, I really like playing cards, right? So I would do some kind of system around cards where you, you draw cards from, uh, like, a central deck. So there'll be, like, one deck of cards in the middle of the table. Um, and then whatever like, cards you draw is essentially your, your role, right? right. Um, and, yeah, so something around that, I reckon, is, is how I would do it. But I think that the setting would definitely be kind of steampunky, that kind of vibe.
0: Well, for me, um, it's a bit of a loaded question um, <laughs> because I'm currently doing my own setting. I'm currently creating that and yeah. I'm creating it in a way that it is not fixed on one genre. Yeah. So essentially the world that I submitted to um, Tales of the Valium, I've taken that concept and i've expanded upon it and i've essentially created a world where i can have little pockets of civilization that will have, have evolved separately from each other mm. so they will be completely fucking different yeah so the first one i'm doing or the first campaign i'm doing is going to be a cyberpunk sort of campaign where the players will be in a criminal gang. And, you know, I drew inspiration from, uh, mostly from um, a a series of Hong Kong movies called The Young and the Dangerous. Sorry, okay. The Young and Dangerous, where they're, I think there's about seven or eight of these movies, but you kind of show how these kids in the triad grow up in the ranks and end up being mafia bosses in their own right. And I always, I always kind of love that. So that was kind of the first sort of campaign, the one I'm focusing on now. Um, but I do have other things in mind which will change the genre completely. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Pretty cool. But in terms of like a specific game and setting intertwined i've always for some reason always kind of wanted to do something with voltron
1: mm, okay that sounds fun
0: i love that fucking as a uh, cartoon as a kid and and i'm talking about the you know the vehicle voltron not the fucking lion bullshit hmm. I'm yeah. talking about the... So I I rented that movie out so many fucking times. My parents were sick of taking me to the video store and it'd be like, right, John, what do you want? Voltron. You've seen it 20 times, John. I want Voltron. Um, so I've always kind of had that. And to the point that I, at one point, was trying to shoehorn Pathfinder into it. Like, how can I make Voltron in Pathfinder? <laughs> and there are systems out there that do cater to mechs. Yes, but they are very much focused around mechs. What I wanted to do would to be a- to create a system where you would be able to play as your characters, but then have the mechs as an option. Yeah. So there could be the point of. You, as a character, find yourself stranded, being attacked by this fucking eldritch abomination, which one touch will kill you. And you have to run to get to your mech in order to protect yourself. So I, you know, I was always kind of wondering how to play that. And not only that, how to play a... How to play it in a way where multiple players can, quote unquote, join together. Yeah, you know, and and, and not
1: give away like some kind of autonomy.
0: Yeah, exactly. Not mm. not do the fucking ship rules in Pathfinder first edition. Yeah, you know, and and have it every player feel equally relevant, which isn't fucking easy. Um, yeah. So I don't know where I don't know how I would begin to do that, but that would be my my sort of focus. That sounds pretty cool.
1: I, I would definitely give that a try.
0: Yeah, I've got no fucking clue on where to start.
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel like mine would probably be a little bit easier to put together.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 guessing yours would be. Mine, mine I would have so- to Essentially, fun playing cards. <laughs> you know, I kind of go back and forth because every now and again it does crop up of, oh, okay, I could try this. This could work. Yeah. And then I just kind of fall by the wayside and just go, oh, no, fuck it, it's never <laughs> going to happen. But maybe one day, maybe one day I'll get the inspiration.
2: Yeah.
0: And I will start writing down mechanics.
1: <laughs> that's that's a, that's a very good question. I like that one. Thank
0: you. Crash. Yeah. All right. So. Couch's competition, sci-fi. Oh, he's fired in another one, has he? He's fired in another one, and he's writing from somewhere in the Underdark. Um, Interesting. What do you think of Trickle Heels? And he puts out an example, two hit points a turn for 10 turns, etc. <sighs> he had a player cast one on a dying character to bring him back up. My thought as a GM was it was quite dangerous as it's not a lot. And if the player doesn't move out of there, it's easy to go down again. And when do you think is a good time to cast similar sort of spells?
1: See, in my personal opinion, in, in 5e anyway, I uh, can't talk too much about other systems because I haven't really uh, played, played a lot of them. Um, in 5e... I feel like healing is only worth doing when somebody is down. Any other time, you're not healing for as much as they can take in a turn from something the same level. Um, right. Like if, if you if you look at like um, cure wounds right in five e, uh, let me just pull up the you can probably hear me typing furiously as I talk. Uh, <laughs> Kill Wounds is uh, 1d8 plus your spellcasting ability modifier, right? So at, at most in 5e, because you can't go above a 20 um, unless you get like special items that let you, um, that's going to be a plus 5. right? So it's 1d8 plus 5 at the very, very highest um, like ability modifier. And then for every level above first that you cast it, it increases by another d8. So at Say fifth level as a cleric, right? Um, you get what's the highest level spell you've got? I think it's like uh, third level, yeah, you get two third level spells, so that means that it's 3d8 plus five. So, at maximum, that's what 20 29
0: hit points, mm-hmm. maximum, yeah,
1: minimum of eight. So, one. That's a HUGE swing, one way or the other, right? Um, I mean, even average, that's going to be like, what, it's uh, 4.5 times 3, so that's 9, 13 and a half. So you're looking about 18 on average, you're going to heal with that. Um, at Like, if you're a 5th level Cleric, casting it. So you're going to be healing on average 18. And at 5th level, most things you're fighting can output more than 18 hit points in a single round Hmm. and you're not normally fighting one thing it's normally multiple yeah so it just it just feels like you're only going to benefit from healing somebody when they're actually at zero because then even if you heal them a minimum right you're bringing them back into the fight whereas if let's say I healed you for eight right I rolled like I do roll three ones right and then plus five Healed you for eight and then you get hit for 16. Okay, yeah, you've, you've still gone eight damage down on where you were on where you started, and I've wasted a third level spell slot. Yeah. What's the, what's the point? Yeah, well, to personally,
2: and... mm, I think
1: sorry. something, oh, yeah, so I, I, I was just going to wrap up and say, personally, I think having some kind of trickle um, where they're constantly down and brought back and down and brought back is the best way to actually heal.
0: In Pathfinder 2nd Edition, healing is a lot more substantial. Fair. So you cast... Um, you cast... Uh, so basically, um, let's say, what did you say? Fifth level.
1: Yeah. So if, if, you, fifth... if, you're, if you're at fifth level,
0: yeah. Okay. So fifth level, um, casting a two-action heal, um, that would be at third level. So that would be... If I'm not mistaken three d eight plus twenty four
1: yeah you see that's the difference that plus
0: twenty four yeah but only on on the two action um because that is the most powerful um heal you, that you've got three action is a burst like a channel, and one action is just a quick quick heal, so the two action so every spell level the dice increases by one and the bonus increases by 8, I think it is. Um, so, yeah, it would be 3d8 plus 24 at third yeah. level. Yeah, see, um, that makes it a lot. Nah. So it is a lot more substantial. Um, in terms of the trickle, I think there is always a place for them because those two points that that player gets back could potentially mean the, the difference between life and death. Mm-hmm. You know, especially if it is a downed player and because chances are anything that does that is going to be relatively low level. Yeah. So that is just a quick, right, there you go. You're back on your feet. Now you need to do something, get out, get into a defensible position, whatever, but that is on you now. But it's going to last for 10 turns. So If you drop again, you're going to be back up again. And yeah. it's gonna carry on doing that. Um, obviously not ad nauseum because there is an a, um a limited amount of times that you can get <laughs> knocked down before you're not allowed to come back up. Um but yeah, so I do think it may not be the ideal, because you know, if you can cast a two action high level spell, you can bring them back up substantially and make them a bit more hardy, but you know, if your back's against the wall and that's all you've got, fucking go for it
1: yeah um, yeah, I think I think it really comes down to the system as well for something like that right, because uh, a two hit point ticking heel for ten rounds right, in, in 5e is going to be really strong for a downed player because there, there is no, oh you've been down five times, you can't get back up in 5e yeah, you can get down a hundred times in a combat and get back up and it's fine. Um, I mean, at that point, it would come down to sort of the DM going, guys, come on, let's, let's get
0: it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, way it work, the way it works in, in second edition, if you go down, you get a dying value mm. that goes from one to four. So you go down once, you're dying one. When you get brought back up, unless you're healed to full, you are wounded. Right. So you are wounded one. So that means if you are wounded one and get put down to the dying position, you add that wounded on, so you'd go to dying two. So it kind of increases exponentially. If they do bring you back to full hit points, you lose the wounded condition. So technically, you can be up and down, you know, uh, unlimited, but there's a a lot more to it. Yeah, Yeah. there's, there's a lot more nuance to it.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, I think something like that would be very powerful in 5e, but by the sounds of it, less powerful in I'll find the second edition.
0: I think it's a break glass in case of emergency. Yeah. You know, you've, whereas, got, some, you've got someone down, you've only got a low-level spell left. Bang. Pop it, yeah, pop there it. There you go, and exactly. let's fucking move.
1: Yeah, whereas in 5e, that would actually, it, it, personally, that would be my go-to when somebody was downed, because... Yeah. It's just going to keep bouncing them around, that downed up, downed up, downed up. Um, so, yeah, so I think, yeah, so I think the, the best way we can answer that question would be it depends on the system. Some systems that's going to be very powerful, some it will be less. Um, but regardless of system, if it's all you've got and it's going to save somebody's life, pop that spell.
0: Yeah, I I agree, <laughs> and I know that sci-fi plays the same system as I do. Yeah. Um, I, I think it was probably a good use of the spell, to be honest. <laughs> you know, dying character. Even if they get one hit point, that means they're back on their they're feet. back. In,
1: they're back in the fight.
0: They're back in the fight. They can then do something. They can. They then have agency. Yeah. Where they can get out of fucking danger, first chug, and foremost,
1: chug, or even just chug a potion, right? If yeah. they've got one in their bag. out and chug it yeah um yeah so i think yeah i think it definitely has a place Mm. um and i think yeah system dependent it can be either very very strong or just a get out of jail free card um depending on, on yeah how healing works and in system of choice
0: yeah so i think that's all we've got time for today yes all right so, thank you to Sci-Fi and Couch for two amazing questions once mm-hmm. again. Um, thank you to you, Justin, uh, oh, for spending shucks. some time with me. <laughs> would you like to tell the people where they can find you on Tinterwebs?
1: I would indeed. So, you can find me uh, on most platforms as Accurate TV, And, of course, I am in our Facebook group as well. So, if you need me, you can reach me there
0: yeah as for me you can find me on most of the social media sites as at natural juan i'm mostly active on mastodon um i've kind of stepped away from twitter and and threads and all that but i'm still reachable if you want to if you want to reach out there also we have actually set up a website i say that it's a fucking blogger site but it'll do It'll do, and that is at uk. You can listen to all our episodes on there, and I'm even going to be posting a blog once a week just to kind of, you know, give you guys a bit more insight into the actual production of the show as opposed to just waffling on about tabletop role-playing games.
2: That
1: is the production of the show, what are you talking about?
2: Yeah, so- <laughs>
0: So I just want to thank everyone for taking time out of their busy days just to listen to us waffle on (laughs) and tune in next time.
1: We will see you all very soon.
0: Thank you very much. Good night and keep rolling.